In this latest episode, we speak with Joe Nicholas. As Exec General Manager of Latitude's insurance business, Joe was appointed to lead the strategic design and future of the insurance business. Now, NA partnered with the team at Latitude for around seven months last year to build the prototype of this entirely new offer. Now, we discuss how this project emerged and also tell the story, including the ups and downs of what it takes to innovate like a startup in an established business like Latitude. The conversation includes us talking about the role of execs, hands-on or hands-off, when it comes to exploratory innovation, and Joe gives us some advice for leaders here. We also talk about the impact of embedding customer data, not just in the initial stages of design, but across the iteration of the product right up to MVP. And then finally, the power of innovation visioning. So thinking forward and also backcasting and how this can energize and focus teams during those inevitable dips and the ambiguity that comes with new product development. Joe Miklas has over 30 years experience as a growth focus leader, including in CEO roles that have spanned technology, fin services, both inside public, private, and even PE backed companies. Before the role that we're talking about here at Latitude, Joe led a range of businesses at ANZ and also co-founded a machine learning company. We hope you enjoy. Beautiful. And we'll kick off. So, Joe Nicholas, thank you so much for joining us on the Naked Ambition podcast. It's really great to be able to speak to you today. Pleasure. Nice to be here, Fiona. Fantastic. So let's jump straight in. Can you tell us how did the work come about? What was the initial thinking from your perspective or the need that you saw? Well, just to give a little bit of context, the insurance business at Latitude actually went off sale to customers in 2019. And we have about 170,000 customers still on the books and, you know, really important that we service those customers, but also I guess it was really a rundown portfolio. The team also had over the, over the last couple of years spent a lot of time remediating and getting the business into really good shape. But the revenue situation had been a, a constant decline and was basically a break-even proposition. So the challenge that was set to me by the board was to do something with the insurance business. So I really took a, a parallel approach, one to try and reinvent the proposition and in parallel with that also think about what we might do with the back book because I guess the products that were in the back book were not really part of our, our future. So I guess we'll focus on the reinvention part today and, you know, working with you and the Naked Ambition team really to help uncover what some of the, the consumer megatrends were, because at the end of the day, that's what we're dealing with is consumers and take a look at some of the attributes of of some game changes in the insurance space. Now, there's not too many, but globally, there's some really interesting ones around uh, like lemonade and laka and pineapple. None of them got insurance in their, in, their, um, in their company name. But also the other thing we did was think about and, and really listen to the customers and understand what their needs were, what their pains were, what the jobs to be done were, et cetera. But do that in the context of um, what our assets were at, at Latitude. So we've got a couple of really great um, assets that are strategically advantageous to us. 
and most insure techs don't have. So that is, we've got two licenses. It's actually really hard to get a, an insurance license. Um, we had both a life license and a general license. We have capital um, and backing. So $110 million of capital backing this business. So that's really hard to get access to when you're insure, an insure tech. They're great insurance capability inside the business. And then also Latitude's got 2.7 million customers. So who wouldn't want access to that customer base? So I think that were the assets um, that we looked, um, looked at. Think about what the customers want and really try and unearth how we could bring the two together. Mm. That's awesome, Jo. So some really solid conditions that you had. What is really interesting about this project is it's probably, as far as innovation inside enterprise goes, this is a, the process that you used is as close to a startup yeah. approach to design as it gets. Why was it really important to you that you did it that way? Oh, there's um, perhaps um, partly by necessity and um, partly by design. So by necessity, I guess we are a big enough organisation, so roughly around two and a half thousand people. However, you know, our heritage, we, we were spun off by GE, which is a global multinational. And so culturally, that meant that for some things, our organisational bias um, was to be really super conservative, um, and actually, if I'm really honest, uh, the organization's bias was for perfection rather than to fail and learn and grow. So that was a big constraint that, that we had to work around. And the other necessity part of it, Fiona, was that for my business units, I'm one of three business units, I'm really competing for capital, right? And investment. Um, there's only a finite amount of investment that the organization has to give. And I guess what I was working towards was more of a medium to longer term um, uh, opportunity versus what is making us money today. Um, and that was the other two businesses. So that's the necessity part. But also by design, I guess I'm a really big believer that constraints, breed creativity you just got to think about how to solve that problem a little bit differently so I didn't mind that I had limited investment um, I knew that I had the strategic priority and I knew I had the backing of the board and if I was able to get the right people um, together and and really create a growth mindset I, I was pretty confident that we'd be able to reimagine uh, how things got done so I became the hustler, <laughs> you know, and in, in every good startup, you have a hustler, a hipster and a, and a hacker. Mm -hmm. um, we had Paige, who was the hipster. Um, and I hired TNT Mac, who um, uh, became the hacker. So, uh, so that was pretty cool. And that was augmented with, you know, a group of insurance people who really wanted to learn and um uh, to do things differently, they just didn't quite know how. So um, that, that, that was kind of how it all, um, how it all originated. And, and the other thing, Fiona, um, I had a secret objective as well, um, which was to demonstrate to the organisation that really there was a leaner, more efficient way to design and develop and launch new products um, from all platforms um, from the inside. So um, 
so that was kind of like a bit of a personal motivation, I guess, uh, to, to help things along. And probably um, it's just worth saying, we made some early decisions to make sure that we were true to that startup um, uh, kind of mentality. So um, we, we really tried to anchor everything into design thinking. Um, and for the build effort, we made some conscious decisions that first of all, we we're going to launch to um, a pilot group. So 100 friends and family. So there's not too much risk in that. And actually when you think about launching to 100 friends and family, you might be prepared to put something out there that's you know, far from perfect so that you can learn, iterate and, and work out you know, what the changes need to be. The next phase for us was going to be MVP. So how could we um, launch to a thousand select customers and then scale? So how could we launch and market to a really broad set of both Latitude customers and also our partners and then really build and iterate uh, from, there, from there onwards? And I think uh, chunking it down like that really helped the team internally get their head, their head around failing fast didn't mean we're failing at scale it actually meant we've we're um we're not failing actually we're learning it's intelligent failure um and we're only doing it for a select um select group of customers that that is easy for us to um reverse out mm, really smart approach now, speaking of that and challenging some of those norms, so insurance mm. itself, obviously a highly regulated, fairly archaic industry. Mm. Did this make you nervous to begin with or was this actually something that made you more determined? Well, I think that um, solving hard problems is re really where um, true innovation sits. So it didn't make me nervous. Um, I, I guess... You know, when you think about uh, our industry, financial services, and particularly uh, insurance, and, uh, insurance um, and, and you think about why is there regulation and so forth in place? Well, reg regulators, their core purpose is to make sure that there is customer value um, in, in products that are offered to them and that um, organisations like us don't create harm to consumers. So I can work with that. Um, that's just being really customer-centred in, in um, your design. So I think that um, my approach was really making sure that if you had the right diversity of thinking uh, around the table, we, we'd get to a really disruptive design that was more compliant in terms of our obligations, but also really delighted our customers um, in the experience that we were going to offer them. And then at the end of the day, um, you know, given our job is to actually help customers to protect themselves from, you know, financial um, uh, or protect themselves financially um, from life's uncertainties, I, I think we, we achieved that goal, um, you know, by the design that we, we put into place. So, um, you know, I think when you when you kind of spin it around um, with that context, it makes the job to be done a little bit easier, um, and it also helps to reinforce why we start with the customer. Um, make sure that we've got their desirability and their needs met from from the outset, and you know, we do it in a compliant way so our regulators are happy, and then you know. Um, uh, 
then from a business perspective, obviously, you know, factoring in uh, how to make it feasible and, um, and viable as well is, is an important part of the process. I love the spin that you've put on regulation there. It's actually, it's just something, another constraint that helps us to be more customer centred. So it's really mm. super smart. Mm. Let's talk about the design a little bit. What were some of the non-negotiables for you when you went in around what this product needed to be or what you really wanted to see in the experience? I, I guess uh, I had a couple of non-negotiables. Non Maybe I could um, chunk that down to, to four, really. Uh, yeah. First of all, that it needed to be um, digital only, if possible, um, or at least digital first. Um, the, the other uh, non-negotiable was that we could collectively, intelligently fail. Um, to be able to learn and grow and iterate um, and that I could create a safe space for that to happen. Um, I, I wanted to make sure that we were responsible des by design, as I just spoke about, um, you know, being compliant is really, really important in our industry. And the fourth thing I think was really around making sure that we embed customer listening, not only in the initial design, but in the ongoing iteration um, and make it a discipline actually that, um, that we live by. Mm. What about that one last one that you've just mentioned there? So you did extensive customer listening, extensive mm. testing. We did all through all of this. Can you remember some of the things that really surprised you about what you heard? from customers about what mattered most to them. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, um, uh, but actually when you boil down to it, at the end of the day, not a lot surprised me because what customers said is what we all feel. And that is the process of insurance is too hard. So I give up, you know. Um, the benefits of insurance are really not well understood. So I deprioritize it and I, I'm, you know, I've only got a small, I've only got one paycheck and I, I'll divert my money elsewhere. It's not seen as important. And the other thing is that, that, that we heard loud and clear was that there was no trust in insurance. Um, so that's another reason for customers to really just uh, opt out, I guess. And so these became the problems that we needed to solve to really think differently and be um, customer design led uh, in, in the way we, we thought about um, solving this problem. Mm. Beautiful. So Joe, in this project, you were really hands-on. Do you mm. think that that is a must for people of your level of seniority in a project that's this transformative? So I, I, I do, Fiona, um, because at the end of the day, particularly in the early phases, it's all about winning hearts and minds. And um, I felt like part of my role was to be a cheerleader as much as anything else, um, but also to have the commitment and convic conviction and to really lead um, from, from the front. Because I, I guess, like it or not, um, there are lots and lots of um, obstacles inside an organisation. And I think it really takes um, the executive or, or the most senior leader to, to help unblock all of those blockages. 
And then I think also I felt, I really felt passionate that my role was to demonstrate the art of the possible and um, that, ex, you know, it, it, took, it took me to say that I was prepared to fail, um, but intelligently fail, um, fail and learn, uh, that others felt that then it was okay to uh, experiment and, and kind of chunk things down. And I've got to say, one of the uh, really fun things that we did um, was to, to project out to 2025. And um, we wrote a press release. And you might remember us doing that together with you, Fiona. It was, it was so much fun. But the fascinating thing about that was um, we didn't just focus on the business success. Um, our, pre our press release was had us being successful in creating communities of customers. It had us being successful in our um, ESG or our environmental contribution. It was incredible. And that actually came from the team. Um, all, all I did was to help um, orchestrate that. But then what I did once we had created that press release and the ambition for 2025 is use it as um, a way to backward plan uh, what, um, what that meant. So if we're gonna do this in 2025, that means we need to be scaling in 2024. That means in 2023, we need to have product proliferation and, and have our, um, our product in market across um, all of the areas that we we're focusing in. That means in 2022, we need to start building the thing and we need to get going um, pretty, pretty quickly. So not only did it create probably a bit of um, uh, anxiety, but it created real excitement around this, this actually is achievable. Um, we could create something hugely disruptive in the matter of three, three or four years, um, but it also created a bit of a sense of urgency and um, an action bias that was required, not only for the insurance team, but we are also reliant on other parts of the organization as well. So it, it really helped everyone kind of go, oh, wow, this is a little bit big, a little bit hairy, a little bit audacious, but like we believe in it and, um, and we'll lean in and really try and help. And so um, to be honest, I, I think that, does take the most senior person leading the organization to kind of rally that um, uh, kind of cheerleader approach and really get the whole organization as well as the insurance team and the builders um, on board to, to, get, to get going. Mm. That is some powerful innovation visioning there as well. And I think, I mean, you were a remarkable cheerleader on this, but I think, I mean, more than that, you were there right next to the team along the way, which is rare. So. I think it's, you know, it's really great to hear that as well. I think the cheerleading is, is so important, but that working side by side and showing that you're prepared to go the distance and be part of the team, um, I think speaks volumes to the rest of Thank the group. You. Well, yeah. I think also, Fiona, you know, just having that curiosity and passion to, to the project as well as, you know, pe people can read through if, if you're not committed yes. and um, passionate about the project. So, mm. um, so I think that's important as well. Yeah. Very real. Beautiful. So can you tell us, Joe, about some of the pitfalls or nervous moments that you might have had through a project like this? We've heard about you know, using the startup approach 
you know, new methods of design, a team that were fairly green in this sort of way of working and a pretty ambitious vision. Hmm. How did you overcome some of those nervous moments um, and even any doubters maybe across the organisation to get hmm. this over the line? Hmm. Uh, so there were plenty of doubters. I guess uh, lucky for me <laughs> is that we didn't really have a choice. Uh, we, as, as an insurance business, had already been disrupted. We were disrupted back in 2019 when we had to go off sale. Um, so there was a bit of a burning platform that I that I could leverage. So I saw my role was to really champion innovation and that customer um, design-led thinking. I spoke about being a cheerleader inside the organisation. I thought that was really important and provide some um, courage and air cover for fast decisions, um, intelligent failure to learn, um, fail and learn, sorry, mm -hmm. uh, and, and also improve. Um, and, you know, uh probably the most difficult part is just really unlocking um the little bit of investment uh that we needed to to get going and be patient because you know people go on a, on a bit of a a journey um you know when they kind of hear a new idea you're always going to have the couple who uh early adopters and and they get on the bus straight away and then the others who kind of you know think about it a little bit more cautiously how's this going to work and they kind of um join a little bit later and then um you know so that there was that going on as well um, um and, and that's just all always about um reiterating the um the why why are we doing this we're doing it for our customers we're doing it for our business it's going to be good for us as well uh, and pretty soon people, um, you know, kind of come around to the idea. And, and actually, I'm so proud of the team because um, this is something really brand new. You know, we've basically flipped the process um, entirely because traditionally what uh, insurance companies do is they create a policy and then they overlay that with a bit of a, um, you know, a customer experience layer, we were actually flipping that around entirely. We were starting with the customer, working backwards from there to work out what it is that we needed to uh, build into our core design and um, what technology needed to support that. And then we thought about, well, what does the policy construct need to look like in order to kind of achieve that goal? So it's a really different way of thinking. So it did take a little while to get people's head around it. But, you know, as I said, to the credit of the team, they really, really um, kind of embraced uh, the idea and um, could see the benefits. Mm. I want to stay on that a little bit. How do you think this work reflects where you think organisations more generally need to go when it comes to the sorts of experiences that they must be giving customers in the world we live in now? Yeah, I think it's um, a challenge for every organisation, actually, um, and that is to kind of disrupt yourself and to think a little bit differently about how things get done or you will be disrupted. And I don't think that there is any industry or organisation that is immune to being disrupted because, disrupted because customers will vote with their feet 
um, technology will be applied to solve really hard, complex problems. And, um, and that means if you don't kind of have that mindset, you're, you're basically opening the door for more pro progressive companies um, that are your existing competitors or new entrants to come and take your customers and service them in a better way than, than what you're doing um, traditionally. Even if it's making you a lot of money today, you've always got to be thinking about um, how things might change, how's the landscape changing, what are customers doing, what are the mega trends that we need to think about, how might that apply to our organisation in our industry setting. Mm. Really good points. How do you maintain what's going on in the business and also keep on exploring? Beautiful, Joe. So you've told us about the context of this, of building a challenger insurance product at Latitude, mm. the intensive customer listening that you did and this rapid design process. So can you tell us what happened next? Sure. Um, so it's been a bit of a whirlwind, actually, Fiona, as, as you probably know. Um, we um, built it all the way to prototype uh, in terms of a, um, a digital offering, uh, which was quite an interconnected uh, insurance proposition that had um, customers being able to access different policies from within the app environment. And it was also a subscription-based proposition that we had planned. But you'll remember at the start of our conversation, um, I guess what I presented to the board was a dual um, or a parallel um, a strategy because one was to reinvent and then the other was to think about what we might do with um, the back book, given that those products um, were not really part of the future offering um, that were made. So actually uh, the decision has been made um, to sell the insurance business and to sell it to um, an organization who is just going to focus on insurance. So uh, Latitude won't be progressing with, um, with this um, innovative idea, but that's not to say that um, there wasn't the belief that this is the right proposition. Um, I guess at the end of the day, you know, you get presented with strategic um, options and uh, once a buyer did emerge, we had to kind of sit back and reflect and think about um, how we took this business um, forward, what was going to be the best thing for our customers, for our business and for our staff. And that's the decision that we made. Beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, Joe. So, just a little bit of advice, if you will. I'd love you to talk a little bit to, you know, for other project managers, product managers rather out there, or even CEOs. Mm. Do you have any advice for them if they're thinking of embarking on something so transformational? Mm. Uh, yes, I, I guess, you know, I've said it a couple of times, but I think starting with the customer, and then working back from there is has got to be the number one piece of advice I, I would uh, give. And really, um, I guess once once you've started with that start point, invest the time in reimagining what the future might look like, how you'll operate and compete, and how you'll engage with customers and your employees uh, in the process. 
And only when you've done that work, um, then you can kind of contemplate what technology is needed to deliver um, the solution that you're designing and what kind of frameworks you need to build in um, because you want to make sure that the customer on-ramps to commercialise the product that you're building is, is there and part of the, the proposition. So that is, is very much an important contemplation, but I would say it's the second or third step. And then I, I think probably the final um, piece of advice, Fiona, is don't forget to take the time to take your people on the journey. So obviously you need the initial approval. So that means you have to take the board and probably the CFO who's got the, um, <laughs> the purse strings. You need to take them on the journey and, and make sure that they can see the value. But, but the team is so important. Ultimately, they're the ones who are going to deliver um, on the proposition uh, and build it. And then there's your stakeholders as well. And we've touched on a little bit about how regulated our industry are. So, um, you know, our stakeholders are our regulators, um, you know, the community uh, and industry, but also inside the organisation, there's stakeholders that you shouldn't forget about as well. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately you're doing all of this because um, uh, sometimes you need to, educate on the benefits that will come as a result of doing this disruptive um, design thinking. Or maybe you also need to educate on uh, the downside of not investing. So making sure you're really taking a bit of an educator's role as well as kind of the hearts and minds uh, role. Mm, beautiful. A great summary of something that I think was was very exciting, very brave. So congratulations again, Joe, on a fantastic project. And thank you so much for so generously sharing the journey that you went on. Um, a couple of shout outs to your incredible team as well for getting mm -hmm. this one uh, to the, the distance that they did. And it was um, it really was a pleasure to work with you and the whole crew there at Latitude. So thank you. Uh, Fiona, can I say um, probably on behalf of Paige and myself, who were kind of the two, the two nutters that, that kind of started this whole process, but partnering with Naked Ambition um, and the approach that we took together on this project was um, a really great experience. And we could not have thrown more curveballs at you um, or objectors as well, but you really handled it with, um, uh, with grace and style and, and expertise, frankly. Um, so I, um, I think, you know, with the prototype that we built, um, it, it was really amazing to, to kind of get to that point with you. And, you know, I've enjoyed partnering with you um, on this project. It's been amazing. Thank you, Fiona. Beautiful. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Naked Ambition podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did like what you heard, please do subscribe wherever you get your pods or even better, leave us a rating and a comment. And of course, if you have any questions about anything we discussed or you're keen to do something similar in your organisation, don't hesitate to get in touch with us here at Naked Ambition or even drop me a line, Fiona Triarca, um, via a direct message on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Mm -hmm.